All right. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the uh, 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And um, I honestly do, on my dresser mirror, I have a, uh, a piece of paper that I made my granddaughter fill out saying, gee, Dad, you are the champion of the world. Because I really do like to win. You know, when I was 50 years old, when I turned 50, and it's been two or three years ago when I turned 50, maybe a few more, um, I decided that I was going to run a marathon. Now, I don't exactly remember why I thought that would be a good idea to run a marathon, but um, other than the fact that my son uh, runs marathons, and I thought, well, you know, maybe that's something we could do together. We have a couple of other crazy people here in the church that run marathons. I won't call any names. But anyway, I decided I was going to run a marathon. A marathon is 26 miles, 365 yards. And uh, what I discovered was you don't just um, wake up one day and go out and, uh, you know, run 26 miles. You have to kind of plan that out. And so I did a bunch of research and everything. And I'm getting a little bit of feedback here. If we could just bring it down just a little bit. I'm humming just a little bit to myself here. Um, and uh, so I, I, I researched it out and I planned it all out. And uh, what, what you do is if you're going to run a marathon, you kind of have to work up to it. If you're going to run the 26 miles or whatnot. So, so you might like run a mile, you know, for every day for, you know, a week. And then maybe you run a mile and a half. And then over time you kind of work up. Maybe you run five miles. And then, and then uh, at some point, you know, you're going to run maybe a half marathon, which would be like 12 or 13 miles. And then you fall back. And you're, so you're training. You're building up. And after, you know, this training process, I had it all mapped out. I think it was in about six months I was going to be ready, you know, to run my marathon, right, the 26 miles and whatnot. And so I started the first day and got out, and, uh, and where we live, there's, there's kind of a, uh, the, the street goes kind of in a, in a square uh, around our neighborhood, and it's about a mile from our house on the outside street all the way back around our house. And so that was going to be my first, you know, day I was going to run. And uh, so I started out running, and down at the end of uh, the first block, it's a, and it's about a tenth of a mile, okay, from our house to the end of the block. I get down to the end of the block, and there's, I, I'm, I've, got some, I've got at least one burning question in my mind at that point, and the question was, why in the world are you doing this? That's my first question. And then the, other, the thought that came to my mind as I was asking myself that question, why are you doing this? The thought that came to my mind was, you know, I really don't like to run. I mean, it's not that I don't run. I mean, you know, like when I get out, I, I, I like to get out on the soccer pitch and uh, referee and run around a little bit that way. But I don't like to just run down the road and run by myself and, and all that other stuff. So at the end of our block, I turned around, I stopped, turned around, I walked back to the house, and that was basically my marathon career. I, uh, I just mentioned that this morning because it might be that you don't like to run. I don't know. You know, maybe you are a runner. Like I said, I know we've got some marathoners in here, but, uh, uh, you know, that's between you and the Lord. But uh, the reality is, 
is that we are uh, in life, we're, we're racing, we're in a race, whether you knew it or not, or even like it or not, that's the reality. I know back in the uh, 1960s, there was a movie that came out, I think Tony Curtis was in it, the title of it was The Rat Race. And I remember somebody at that point uh, said, I remember the quote, uh, you know, uh, we're all in the rat race, and the problem with the rat race is, even if you win, you're still a rat, <laughs> you know, which, uh, there, there is a, there is a uh, as I was kind of researching this, I was reminded there is a, um, uh, an African proverb that says, when the sun comes up, the gazelle uh, knows that it has to run faster than the fastest lion or it will be eaten. And the lion knows that it has to run faster than the slowest gazelle or it will starve. And so whether you're a gazelle or a lion, when the sun comes up, you should be running. You need to run. We're in a race and this race of life, it really is a, a race of life and death. And you know what's really interesting is the Bible does uh, talk about our lives in this way, in particular the life of a child of God. You are in a battle. You're in a war. You know, the Apostle Paul says, put on the full armor of God. But then he also says, run. Run with endurance. Run the race. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11, Paul wrote this. He said, but you, man of God or child of God, man of God, woman of God, he says, flee from these things. He's listed all the things in this world that, that weigh us down and, and defeat us. He says, flee or run from them. You've got to be running because these things are hit, uh, hunting you down. He says, and pursue righteousness. So run away from some things, run towards some things. He says, pursue righteousness, faith, uh, or godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. That is, we are in this race in the very next uh, letter that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy, which is kind of his swan song, the last book that he, or the last letter that he wrote right before he died. He said this in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I've fought the good fight. There's the fight part. I've finished the race, he said. In other words, I understand that I've been in a race, a race of faith, a race of life, a race with Jesus, however you want to think about it. I've been in this race, and he said, I'm at the end. I've finished the race, and here's the deal. He says, I have kept the faith. So, beloved, what I want to say to you this morning is we're in a race for life. You, whether you like it or not or believe it or not, or whether you even like to run, you are racing, you are running for your life. And that really is the impact of these two verses in Hebrews 12 that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, he says in verse 1 of Hebrews 12, he says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Now, of course, these verses follow everything that we have been looking at in this great roll call of faith in chapter 11, the people that lived by faith. And he says here, he says, let's run with endurance the race set before us. Now, there's just a couple of things that I, I want to point out to you as we get into this text. First of all, I want you to know that there is a race set before us. 
He says, let us run with endurance the race set before us. In other words, there may be a couple of different races going on, or there may be a couple of different ways. There may be a couple of different paths, and maybe there are many paths. And what he's saying here is, is that God created you, he loves you, he knows you, he saved you, and he has set before you a race this race of life, and he says, so run that race, the one set before you. You don't get to choose. Well, I want to run his race, or I want to run that race over there, or I want to get in this one. No, no, no. The one that is set before you, there is a race that God has set before you, and he says, let's run that race. Now, beloved, the reason you have to run the race that God sets before you is because, as I mentioned, there's a whole lot of different ways. In fact, uh, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way of death. That is, evidently there's a whole lot of people running, and it seems like, hey, here's the right way. But he says if you're not running the race of God or you're not running the race of faith or the race that God has laid before you, you're running a race that is leading towards destruction. It's almost like you're running along and there's a cliff there and you don't know anything about it. So you've got to be on the right way, first of all. And what is the right way? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And so the right way is Jesus. I mean, that's the answer, right? When the preacher asks, what is the right way? Well, it's Jesus. If I'm not on the race with Jesus or by Jesus or for Jesus or however, you know, you want to say it, then you're on the wrong way. And so, and so the encouragement here to God's people, and he's speaking to Christians now, speaking to believers, he's saying run the race set before you. But the second thing that he mentions here is, is you need to run with endurance the race that is set before you. Run with endurance. And that word endurance means, well, it means to endure. <laughs> it means to keep on going. It means don't drop out. Maybe he's speaking to, you know, a bunch of Christians here who are thinking that, um, uh, well, you know, uh, I put in my time, and now somebody's, it's everybody else's time to put it in. You know, somebody else needs to put in their time, right? I mean, I've done my gig. I've, I've given my money. I've, I've I've done my part, and uh, and so he's talking to he's talking to uh, to Jewish Christians in particular, but in talking to them, he's talking to us. And the admonition or the encouragement throughout the entire book of Hebrews is keep going, don't quit, don't go back, don't turn around. You know, keep going with Jesus, keep going, keep going, because evidently there were some folks that were thinking, well, you know what, I'll just drop out. Or maybe I'll sit down for a while. Or maybe I'll retire, you know. And you know, I got to thinking about this and just thinking about our church. I mean, I know that, um, uh, that for those of us in this room this morning who are believers, and I know not everybody is, so maybe I'm not talking to you if you're not, but most of us who are believers, we've been believers for a long time. We've been Christians for a long time. Amen, right? Now, maybe you're new to the faith, Maybe you've just, you know, started trusting Christ or you just put your faith in Christ. But most of us here have been Christians for quite a while. And my experience has been the longer that we have been Christians, the longer we've been in church, 
the more likely we are to kind of slow down or step aside or just sit down. And, and maybe that doesn't apply to anybody in here, okay? And I, I, would, I would think, I, I don't, I, I'm not saying that it applies to anybody, but it's the danger. Stopping or dropping out or quitting or letting somebody else go. When you know maybe I've got a responsibility or I've got something I need to do, but, but something happened to me, so I'm going to let somebody else, you know, take over. I'm just going to slow down some. That's the danger. Uh, of course, probably not any of us. But maybe that's the danger. And so he says, let's run with endurance. That is, that is the encouragement or the admonition is to keep running, to don't stop. You're in the race. And there's one set before you. Run that race, but keep running until the end. Now, the question might be, okay, well, well, how do I make sure that's what I'm doing? That I'm on the right road and that I don't quit. Well, that's the impact of these two verses, and I want to share with you just a couple of things that come to my mind as I read this text that helps me to, to figure out or to understand what, road I need to be on or what way I need to be running or how I need to be running and how to be encouraged to keep running even when maybe I want to quit. Three things. Here's the first one. In running for your life, in running the race of your life, the witnesses are pointing in the right direction. So run in the direction the witnesses are pointing. I mean, that's what he says here. He says in verse 1, we're surrounded by a large cloud of witnesses. Now, that word cloud, uh, the, the Greek word here actually refers to the tears in the stadium. And so what he's describing here is, is one of the great amphitheaters that, that could be found throughout the Roman world. And the people would come uh, into the stadium, and, uh, and they would watch the... Um, uh, they would watch the, they would be spectators in uh, uh, what was taking place in the arena. So maybe there would be a race going on, might be a chariot race, might be a foot race, or might be some other kind of uh, athletic competition. But they were sitting there watching the race. Now, when he says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, he's referred to those who are kind of... Uh, who are kind of looking on, but I want you to notice they're not mere spectators because he doesn't say we're surrounded by a great, great cloud of spectators. Do you see that in verse 1? What does he say? He said we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And the Greek word here that's translated witness is the word martyreo. We get our word martyr from it. What is a martyr? A martyr is someone who bears testimony to the reality or the truth or the life that's in Christ Jesus, and they even lose their life for it. So, so they are telling a story. A spectator is someone who watches. <coughs> a witness is someone who testifies. And so what he says here is, is we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. They're not just they're looking or watching and clapping as we go. And I heard somebody preach this one time. Uh, I heard a preacher preach this and he said, yeah, it's like all these saints are in heaven and they're looking down and we're down here running this race and they're applauding us on and encouraging us and hoping we get along. That's not the impact here. That's not what he's saying. They're not just sitting there watching. They're actually bearing testimony. They're witnessing to us or they're sharing with us what? Two things. Number one, the way to run. 
They're pointing out the way to run. And, and, and what I picture is, is these folks along, because life is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so they're kind of, and almost like a cross-country meet, if you've ever been to a cross-country meet. And so you're running along, and these folks are along the way, and they're pointing out, you keep on going that way, go that way, <laughs> go that way. This is the right way to go. Watch, they're not watching, they're pointing out. Because it's easy to get off course. We need someone to... We need someone to point the way. I was, I was doing some research this past week on just races, and I came across something that I, I did not even know that it exists. There's a, there's a race out in California. It's called the Western States Endurance Race. It's a 100-mile race, and it starts up at Olympic Valley. It goes all the way down to Auburn, California, and uh, so it starts up in the mountains and kind of comes down evidently to the valley because sometimes when they start, there's like snow up there, you know, like a lot of snow, and they run through all that. It, they, uh, you, you get a prize if you make it within 24 hours. I mean, just imagine that, running 100 miles in 24 hours. Do you know the guy who holds the record for the Western States Endurance Race? He ran that race 100 miles in 14 hours and some change. I think about 14 hours and 20 minutes. And if you kind of extrapolate all that out, which I did, it comes out to about seven and a half minutes a mile average. <laughs> and there were some times where maybe he stopped and got something to drink. I don't know. But can you imagine running seven and a half miles an hour straight for 100 miles? Well, he did it. The guy's name is Jim um, Wamsley. And he set the record in 2018. He actually uh, came close to it again in 2019. He won it again in 2020. And so, so far as I know, he hasn't run since then. But two years before he set the record, Walmsley was running, and he was on pace to set the then record. This was in 2016. And when he got to mile 92, and it was still very early in the morning, it was still dark, he missed one of the turns. He's at mile 92, so he's almost to the end, eight miles to go. He missed one of the turns, and he ended up running two miles off course. And at some point, he was kind of like, hey, I'm not seeing anybody else around here. So, so he, uh, he, he turned back, and, and he, he ended up not running or not winning the race. The next year, at about mile 70, he got sick, and it wasn't until the next year that he ran it, and he... Uh, and he won. But, but, but I was just thinking how, how easy it is, you know, unless you've got somebody going, hey, right here, go this way. This is the way to go. And, and that's the impact of, of this passage of Scripture is we've got these witnesses. We've got these martyrs, those who have gone before us in the race, and they're saying, hey, this is the way to go. On Friday mornings, I, uh, I mentor some guys out at the prison, and uh, this past Friday, I was out there, and I was talking about this very thing, because a lot of times I go over my sermon, because I get a lot of good ideas from these guys. And one of the guys who is on our ministry team, he asked me this very question, how do I know where to go, which way to run? Because there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of people pulling me in different directions, and they want me to do this, and they want me to do that, and they want me to go this way. How do I know which way to run? And that's what we said. We said, well, you know what? We need, first of all, we need to be in God's Word. God's going to guide us. We need to be in prayer. We need to be worshiping regularly with, with other believers. But we need other men and women of faith in our lives who can help guide, who can help guide us in the race. 
who can say this is the way to go. Why don't you run this way? You know, as I was thinking through this, I was thinking of all the people in our church that, you know, have come through, have been part of our family of faith. And so many of them have been so instrumental in my own life. I tell you, I tell you what came to my mind as I was thinking about this is this organ over here, right? You know, back, and this has been, I don't know, 30 years ago or so, we had another organ, and the organ went out. And uh, so we didn't have it. We just had the piano. At that time. So we had the piano and organ, and they were both instrumental in our worship. And um, so what were we going to do? We didn't have the money to buy a new organ. We had a couple in our church, um, and their names were Pete and Betty Reed. And not everybody's going to remember them because maybe they've been gone. They've been gone for a while. But, uh, um, but Pete and Betty, were, they just loved the Lord. And uh, they had a, uh, you know, the, the grocery store here for many years. And they, I think they had retired at this point. And uh, they were saving up money to buy a car because they didn't believe in, uh, you know, borrowing the money to buy it. So they were saving their money. They were going to buy a car. They had about $5,000 or so saved. And... Uh, um, and the organ went out, and the new organ was going to be somewhere around $5,000. This, this story was actually told to me by the pastor who was here at the time. And, and so, anyway, they came to the pastor, and they prayed about it, and they said, uh, hey, pastor, uh, we decided we don't need a car as much as the church needs an organ. We can drive our, own car, our old car for a couple more years, so we want to donate this money, and they, they actually paid for this organ. They said, we don't want our name on it. We don't want credit for it or anything. We just want to give it in the name of the Lord, and, uh, and we don't care who knows. Now, let me ask you a question. Who in the world does that? Who does that? Who, who, who takes their hard-earned money that they worked hard for and that they've saved and they're, they're going to do something, I mean, because we, we need a new car or whatever, but says, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The body of Christ, the church body, because the worship of God is so vital and important to us, we're going to give that money so that we as a church body can continue to worship. And we, we don't want credit for this. We just want, you know, we just want to give it, right? I mean, who does that? Well, somebody of faith. These are the kind of people that I'm talking about who have run along before us and they're going, hey, this is the way. This is the way to live. This is the way to serve. This is the way to give. When I think about Betty Reed, I think about Pete had already passed, and the last time I visited with her, just a week before she passed, and uh, she wasn't, she, she died suddenly, so she wasn't necessarily, I didn't know that was going to be the last time, but myself and one of our deacons, we went by to visit her, and uh, on the way over there, I was kind of like, okay, now what we need to do is we need to be encouraging to her, and you know, we're going to share some scripture, and we're going to, you know, be positive and everything, we're going to build her up, okay, because she's been sick, hadn't been able to come to church, she's down and everything, we're going to build her up, right? So we were walking in, and Miss Betty is sitting there, and she wasn't in good health. She has this smile on her face. She says, Pastor, come in, brother, come in. Sit down. She opens up the Word of God, begins to minister to our heart. She's, she's sharing Scripture with us. We went out of there, built up, encouraged because of her, and I'm saying, that's the way I want to run. I want to be that kind of one. This is somebody who says, hey, run this way. This is, the, this is what the witnesses do. This is what the people of faith. And what I'm saying is, is we need godly men and women in our life who have been in the race, on the race. We need to study about it. We need to, we need to get after it. 
just like they did. They're pointing in the right way. And so, and so the witnesses are saying, are, 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 are giving to us the way to run. But the second thing they're also pointing is the will to run. The will to run. And, and what I mean by this is, is they're basically saying, hey, you can make it. If I made it, you can make it. All right? In fact, if you think back to, and that's really the, the power of, of Hebrews chapter 11, it's all these, you know, witnesses who aren't really anything special, you know? They're not great men and women of faith. I mean, you know, there are guys like David who, uh, who is an adulterer and a murderer. And yet he finished by faith. There's Rahab, who is a prostitute of all things. And yet she, she finished the race by faith. You know, there was Paul who persecuted Christians. He finished by faith. There was John the Baptist who was weirder than most any of us in here. And he finished by faith. I mean, you can go on and on. John Mark, who is a quitter. He finished by faith. On and on and on. These people point us, and, and it's not just in Scripture, it's the people around us. I mean, for me personally, when I need encouragement, and I need encouragement regularly. You know who I go to? I go to Jeremiah. Because Jeremiah, uh, you know, when I read Jeremiah, what I come to understand is, is that Jeremiah preached for about 40 years or so, and he never had one convert, not one in fact, he would just get up and say, thus saith the Lord. He would tell the word of God, and they'd get mad at him because they, he was telling them what God said. That's why quite often I stand up here and say, hey, don't blame me. I'm just telling you what God said, all right? If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at God. If you want to get mad at somebody who says, you know, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, that apart from Jesus Christ, you're not on your way to heaven, you're on your way to hell, don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger, you know? So Jeremiah was somebody that that people would get mad at because he'd share the word of God. And there were times where he would go to God and say, God, I'm not preaching anymore. I've been there. Been there many times. You can get discouraged. You can get down. <laughs> You're going to quit. One of the most important books I ever got as a pastor was when I was in school, and the title of the book was Never Quit on Monday. <laughs> and so I've never quit on Monday. Praise God. By Tuesday, you know, it seems. But I go back to Jeremiah just for encouragement sometime. I've got, I've got uh, 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 some books in my library that are uh, stories of, of men of God, of pastors, guys like Billy Graham and Billy Sunday and Charles Spurgeon and, and, uh, and you know, all of these, all these pastors. And, and every one of them, just human beings. Preachers that, you know, they struggled with faith and they struggled with faithfulness and they struggled with discouragement and depression and all these things. And every one of them, their testimony is, hey, I made it, you can too. I made it, you can too. Because I'm not anything special. And if I made it, you can. That's the power of the witnesses who are pointing along the path saying, this is the way you can make it, you can do it. Run with endurance the race set before you okay so how do i know i'm on the right path right what what keeps me running well it's the witnesses that are pointing second thing here real quick it's the lord jesus who is leading <laughs> it is the lord jesus who is leading verse 2 says keeping our eyes on jesus 
the source and perfecter of our faith. Now, this is actually, I think, the heart of the book, and, and this is the main theme, keeping your eyes on Jesus. And that's why I've uh, entitled uh, these series of sermons from Hebrews, Eyes on the Prize, and Jesus is the prize, right? If you want to know which way to run, keep your eyes on Jesus. I mean, we're in this race, and we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the prize. He's the one we're striving for. And here we kind of see how, how all this fits together because, because, you see, every runner, everybody who's in a race knows that, that I need to, to keep, you know, focus on the finish line because what happens if I start looking around, right, at who's behind me? Well, I can get off course, number one. Number two, I can stumble and fall. That's what happens when we start looking around. Or if I start looking inward this way, and I'm like, man, I want to quit. <laughs> I can't go on. I mean, you know, when, I, when I'm looking in at what's going on with me here, and what I do is I get discouraged and I want to drop out. So, so he says, hey, if you're going to run this race, you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 3 kind of gave this impact here. He says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call, watch this, in Christ Jesus. He said, so I'm forgetting all this back here, and I'm focusing on this right here, right? I'm keeping my eyes on Jesus, and I'm going to keep running. But I want you to notice that Jesus is not just the prize. He's not just standing at the finish line going, hey, this way. All right? Look at what it says here about him. It says, keeping your eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. Now, the word source means beginning. And by the way, if you have faith in God or you have faith in Christ Jesus, the Lord Jesus has already been at work in your life producing that. I mean, he's the source. He's the originator of our faith. That means he's, the, he's, at the, he's there at the beginning, okay? Now, it's not just he says he's the source of our faith. It also says he's the perfecter. Now, that means... That means he finishes it out, okay? So, like, if we're going to end by faith or we're going to end faithful, then our faith is going to have to be perfected. And he says he's the one that does that. So he starts it and he ends it. Now, watch this. If he starts it and he finishes it, then he has to be there with you in between to make sure that happens. In other words, Jesus just doesn't get you started and say, hey, hope it works out for you. Uh, there, there's a good way. Run that way, and then if you make it, fine. And if you don't, uh, you know, that's cool. That's not what happens. He's the source, and he's the perfecter, and he's there in between. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, the Apostle Paul said, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Now, did you get that? He began it, and he's going to complete it. And he's going to be with you all the way. He's going to be with you in the good times. He's going to be with you in the bad times. He's going to be with you on the mountaintops. He's going to be with you in the valleys. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, what I started in you, I'm going to finish. He says, hang on to me. Go with me. Run with me. Walk with me. Hang on to me. We're going to make it together. Well, I want you to see another verse here in uh, Hebrews. In fact, we're going to get to this here in a couple of weeks. 
maybe a couple of months. And uh, it's a benediction. It's found in chapter 13. If you turn one page of your Bible, as I just did, down in verse 20 of chapter 13, Paul is giving a benediction, and he says, Now may the God of peace who brought us from, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, equip you with everything good to do his will, working in us what is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, when, when you sing, uh, you know, glory to his name, you're basically saying that he's done something in my life. He saved me. He, he changed me. He remade me. And when that happens, when, when he starts that, he says, and I'm going to keep going with you, and I'm not going to let you go, and I'm going to make it, and we're going to make this thing together because you're going to hang on to me. You know, we used to sing a song around here, and we sing it every once in a while now. <clears throat> All the way my Savior leads me. And the last verse, and by the way, this is a song by Fanny Crosby who was blind. You know that, right? And... Uh, and she said, all the way my Savior leads me. The last verse. Oh, the fullness of his love, perfect rest for me is promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed immortal wings its flight through realms of day, this my song through endless ages, what? Jesus led me all the way. Jesus led me all the way. Jesus led me all the way. Now listen, if Jesus is leading all the way, that says something about him, but it also says something about me following, right? He's leading I'm following. Jesus led me all the way. Could you bear testimony to that? He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you, and I'll go with you if you'll just follow. Jesus led me all the way. He's out front. I'm following. All right? So how do I know I'm on the right path? How do I, what, what keeps me going? Well, first of all, I've got a great cloud of witnesses, of martyrs, of, of people of faith around me that are pointing and saying, this is the way to run. You run this way. And then I've got the Lord Jesus leading. And then the last one is I've got the joy that is waiting. The joy that is waiting. You know, when we look at Jesus, one of the things that we see is that his work in our lives, his work of authority and perf of authoring and, and perfecting our faith, that's what he's doing, right, was sustained in him by joy. In fact, if you look back at verse 2, it says, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy, and this really is crazy, folks. I mean, look at this. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. In other words, as Jesus came up to the cross to die on the cross, he kept going for the joy that lay before him. Now, you might ask yourself the question, well, what was the joy that lay before Jesus? What is he talking about here? Well, well, first, let me just point out a couple of things. I want you to notice that if you study the Bible, you're going to find that joy is a major theme, joy for God's people. In fact, the word joy is used 167 times in the Bible. It's used 69 times in the New Testament, okay? And that doesn't include all the times rejoice is used, all right, which refers to joy. And so over and over and over again, 
What the scripture teaches is that for a child of God, all right, in this relationship we have with God in Christ Jesus, it is joy, it produces joy, it has joy, whatever. I mean, right? So Paul says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, joy. All right, so you go on, right? But joy. Lord Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, he said to his disciples in John 15, 11, I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. So that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Romans 14, 17, the apostle Paul said, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then Peter in 1 Peter 4, 13, instead he said, rejoice as you share in the sufferings of Christ so that you may also rejoice with great joy when his glory is revealed. So watch this. We're connected with God through Christ Jesus and that produces joy or it is joy or joy comes that way, all right? And so... And so what is this joy? He says, for the joy set before him. What is the joy of Christ, I guess, is the question. Because he said he's the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised its shame. What is the joy? Well, if you look down at the last part of that second verse, it says he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Okay, so he endured the cross, and then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, when somebody sets down, and they're working, all right, and we're, so we're talking about the, if we're talking about the work of Jesus, which is the work of salvation, right, and he sat down, what does that mean? That means he's finished, right? There's nothing left to do, right? Okay, so he sat down, he's finished, the work is done, but also he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, which is the position of power and authority or victory, Okay? So when he sat down at the right hand, he was declaring, or uh, I guess declaring to be the word, the victory. And what victory is it? Victory over sin, victory over death, victory over hell. So it has no power, no authority over you and me. That was the joy. That gave him great joy. You know, it was the victory in Jesus, the victory over all that stuff. I mean, he, he knew that the victory was coming by dying on the cross. He was going to rise from the dead on the third day. And all of that was the joy that laid before him. I mean, if you think about it, every athlete, every athlete knows that the pain and suffering you have to go through in the athletic competition pales when you get to the end and you've won the victory. Now, I say that, and I want to brag just a moment. I know some of you shameless grandparents out there think that you have the best grandkids ever. Well, I've got a grandson who is a senior in high school this year, plays for the Ada Oklahoma Cougars, and they are in the playoffs in Oklahoma. And they've won two playoff games already, and, uh, and they have two more games to go. They're in the semifinals this next Friday night, and if they win, then they'll be in the finals. And uh, Fisher who uh, some of y'all met him when that little rascal was about, I don't know, two years old. I'll never forget when he was in vacation Bible school here. Well, that kid now is about this tall, and he is, he is as hard, he's stout as a rock. He's the middle linebacker on defense, and 
He's kind of the wing back on offense, and he is just a stud, man. I tell you, it, we are so excited and proud. And you know what? He, he got his hand stepped on a couple of weeks ago and broke his hand. He came out. The trainer pushed his hand and said, yeah, I think it's broke. Can you go back in? He was like, yeah, all right. So he go, went right back in. I mean, he's just tough, but he has gone through pain. He's had a couple of injuries this year, and he just keeps on pressing through. And at every win, every victory, and we get to watch it on uh, YouTube. We were up a couple of weeks ago watching him and man it's just so exciting to win that's what it's all about right any athletic competition you when you come to that place and you win all the pain all the suffering all the things that you've gone through now just kind of pale in comparison beloved child of God listen to me in Christ Jesus you won it's over it's over. The victory is won. I get asked all the time, Brother Greg, I don't understand Revelation. Can you, can you explain to me what Revelation? I'll tell you exactly what the book of Revelation is all about. You ready? Here it is. God wins. I mean, I read the last chapter, man. And when all the smoke clears, Jesus stands and he reigns victorious. God wins. And watch this. If you're with him, you win. You won. You've won the victory. There's the joy. I mean, there is great joy in the presence of God because of the victory in Jesus. And I'll tell you what, beloved, there is, there is nothing greater in this world than a child of God to understand who and what you are in Christ and to rejoice in that. And there's nothing worse, in my personal opinion, than to see a Christian who is just always, man, you know, just moping around. It's terrible. It's bad. Oh, my goodness. Woe is me. You know, it's so bad. That doesn't mean you won't get down from time to time. It won't mean you won't go through difficult times and troubles and trials and and you'll you, you know you'll feel it and everything else like that but as a child of God you're not going to stay there and I tell you what uh one of the things you know that I, when when I'm up here uh you know singing in the choir and we're singing you know these songs you know there's joy in the house of the Lord I, I tell you what it it um it it discourages me sometime to see some of us going there's joy in the house of the Lord I mean, come on, man. That's why Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because you won the victory. Jesus won. And if you're with him, you win. Listen, a joy-filled Christian is somebody who knows who they are and what they are. And you know what? They're on that path. Because the path, the way, when you're running with Jesus, there's joy. The joy laid before him becomes your joy. You're running to the prize. You've got the prize. It's him. Maybe, uh, you know, everything's not perfect. Maybe you've got these problems. Maybe you've got all kinds of things. But there is joy in the presence of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. The joy set before you lets you know you're on that right path. Okay? Now, let's just wrap all this up. The question is, how do I know I'm running the right course, the right race, and I'm running with endurance? Well, I'm watching the witnesses who are pointing in the right direction. I'm following the Lord Jesus who is leading me all the way. And I'm finding the joy that waits for me in this, in this race. <laughs> so 
Here's the question I want to ask you. If you were running a race and you found out that you were running in the wrong direction, what would you do? You know, I talked to you about Jim Walmsley, and uh, uh, he ran that two miles off course. And he didn't, win that, he didn't win the race that year. But you know what he did when he realized he was two miles off course? He turned around. That all makes sense, doesn't it? If you're off course, you're going to turn around. If you realize that you're not on the right, if you realize you're off course, what are you going to do? You know, the, the Bible word for this is repent. And the Bible says, unless you repent, you will all likewise pray. Unless you repent or turn. Turn from what? Turn from your sin. Turn to Jesus. Turn to life. Turn to victory. If you're on the wrong path, it just seems like it would be smart to turn around. So I would just ask you today, what about you? Are you running the race? Are you running the race set before you by God? How do you know? Are you following those witnesses that are pointing? The Lord Jesus who's leading? Are you experiencing the joy that is ours in Jesus? So the question is, what are you going to do? As I examine my life today, I want to decide how I'm going to run. Because, see, the option is not just to turn around and go back home. can't do it. You're in the race. you got to run. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with Jesus? Father, today in this race that we're running, I, I pray, God, that you would show yourself so mighty and real. Lord, God, maybe we've gotten off. I, maybe, maybe I'm sitting here, Lord, and I've gotten off course. You know, I, I love you. I know I do. But I, somehow, some way, I've just gone the wrong direction today, Lord. I just pray that as I look to you, I watch these witnesses, look for that joy, Lord, that you would, you would help me as, I, as, as you set me back on the path. Lord, for somebody here that, that is not even running that race, they've got something else going on in their life. They're chasing after all these other things of this world or running after this or running after that. Lord, I pray that you would show yourself so real and mighty and the way which is you, Lord, and is true, Lord. I pray, God, that today would be the day of salvation of life, of running with Jesus. I ask this, Lord, as we just <coughs> give our lives to you right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. And the invitation this morning is just to respond to the Word of God. And uh, maybe you've been running with Jesus, but